Welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a series of podcasts helping you produce performance on purpose. For more information, go to our site qedod.com forward slash podcasts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. So today I'm joined by Tiffany Joyner, who's a very interesting person with some exciting stories to tell and um, some some real insights into the world of yoga and how yoga and resilience and relaxation and um, the way you use your body can really help you um, become more successful, more contented and more happy in life. So hi, Tiffany. Hi. How's life where you are? Life is fantastic where I am. Thank you. Uh, where are you, just out of interest? Right now I'm in Mornington Crescent, Camden. Uh, there's a, a terrible quiz show which has Mornington, no doubt you all know about Mornington yes. Crescent. Yeah, very good. Smashing. So, um, so Tiffany, tell me, if you can sum up, what is it What is it you do? How would you describe yourself at a dinner party or if you met someone for the first time? Well, I, oof, I'm 36 years old. I'm originally from the States, uh, in Georgia, in the South. And um, I've been living in London since January this year. And right now, I'm just in a place where I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life and how to really take my passions and, and do something with them. And I have several passions, and which I'm sure we'll, we'll speak about. And um, yeah, just enjoying my life with everything that's happened and good and bad with me and just trying to figure out what I'm doing. That's okay. where I am. Fantastic. All right. Well, let's, um, let's start from the very beginning. Tell us... Uh, how you've got to this point. Tell me a bit about yourself. Okay. Um, in particular, anything you want to know oh, about my injury? Is that what you're asking? Well, well, why don't we lead up a little bit to that? Tell me a little about you as a person and tell okay. me what happened to you. Okay. Um, well, in a nutshell, I'm from, I'm from a small town in Georgia, as I was saying, and I really always had a desire to break away, to see the world, to travel. So as soon as I graduated from university in 2002, I did that. I left the States, initially got a job working on a cruise ship, really? which, yeah, was working in entertainment. I was a social host, so I was hosting comedy shows and men's hairy chest contests and... <laughs> All the bingo, and it was it was good fun. So I did that for a while, and then um, just it started, just basically sparked a, a desire to travel in me. And I lived in Korea teaching English. I backpacked through Southeast Asia and India. And while I was in India in 2006, I did a teacher training uh, for yoga, and I became a fully certified yoga teacher. And moved to Dubai that year and started teaching yoga. Wow. And was doing that full time. And then after a year of that, I decided to do the opposite of what a lot of people do. And I got a corporate job. So I started working in a corporate job, <clears throat> excuse me, in HR and employee learning and development. Right. And was in that and pretty settled in my life there in Dubai. And then in 2008, I, yeah basically went to a dinner party in my apartment building and went to bed for the evening and woke up the next morning in the hospital with no recollection of what had happened. Really? But from what I've been told, I fell off my balcony in the <gasps> middle of the night. Goodness, how'd you do that? Oh, what you don't no know, idea. It is one of life's greatest mysteries. I had a concussion, so I have no memory of about eight hours of the evening. But 
Who knows? I have no idea. I could guess all day long. I just gave up on trying to sure. figure it out. And uh, yeah, I woke up in the hospital and I was paralyzed completely from the waist down. Right. So I had damaged my, in the fall, I had damaged my spinal cord. And um, at the L1 level, which is in your lumbar spine, right. and it was an incomplete injury, and um, which means it wasn't a full severing of the spine of the spinal cord. And uh, yeah, I woke up with no feeling, no movement from about my navel all the way down. Blimey. Yeah. And then a long so, way from home. Yes, around the other side of the world from home. But my parents came, and I was in hospital for about a month. Sure. And, uh, yeah, so I was in, got through hospital and then got basically kicked out of the hospital after a month because my insurance stopped paying right. and, um, in a wheelchair with absolutely no idea what I was supposed to do at that point. So I went to the U S for two months to do intense physical therapy at a place called project walk, which is in San Diego. And there, their thing is for people who are athletic, people who really want to learn to walk again. Sure. You know, so many places they say, oh, we'll help you adapt to your life in a wheelchair or right. build your arm muscles so you can get around better. I didn't want that. I wanted to walk. That was my my goal. Yeah. So went out there, and after two months of therapy, I started walking on a walker, a Zimmer frame, right. I think you call it here. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I was on that for about six months, and then I started walking on crutches, and today I'm still walking on crutches. Uh, it's been eight years, I guess, since my injury, almost eight years, and um, I use crutches. I'm still, I'm about 80% paralyzed still, below the waist, so when you have an incomplete injury, you can, it, they say usually in the first two years, you can regain movement and feeling, sensation, things like that. Yeah. So... In that, in the time since my injury, I've regained um, movement in my quadriceps, my inner thighs, and my hip flexors at the tops of my legs, and everything else is paralyzed. So I'm working with a few muscles, but it's good enough to to get me around and on my feet. And, and I do that. I don't even own a wheelchair. I only use my crutches. So, so yeah. So that's kind of in a nutshell what happened to me in my injury and where I am with that. So. So at the um, at the stage when you were injured, I mean, uh -huh. how, how did you how did you get the mental sort of toughness to sort of fight on? Because a lot of people, I guess, would just give up. You know, it's funny. I never ever had a moment of why did this happen to me, or you know, why me? Or it, it was almost. I, to be honest, I kind of saw the humor in the situation, I think. I know that sounds a bit warped, and maybe I am, but for me, I saw it as a challenge. You know, it happened, and I remember lying in the hospital bed, and I said, okay, you know, I got myself into this. I'm the only one that's going to get me out of it. And I remember having that, that thought process in my head, and, and, and also recognizing the person I am, you know, that I was born as, essentially. I realized, you know, if... I'm glad this happened to me instead of anyone else. You know, I mean, if of all my of all the people I know, I, I'm I feel like it was the best person for it to happen to, and on the other side, the worst person, and the best person in that I knew that I had that resilience and I had that um, that mindset to view things like this as a challenge that I would I would work through it 
and the worst person in that I was very active and very athletic and yeah. and really enjoyed a very active lifestyle. And so, you know, something like this to happen is it's devastating, but it, it I always viewed it as a challenge and I always kinda was able to laugh about it and find the humor out of the situation instead of just wallowing in grief, you know? Yeah. But I mean you must have I must you must have your good days and your bad days. Oh, okay. that's, yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in the beginning, too, was a lot of denial. Of course, the, all the stages of, of grief, what have you. And I, I had a lot of denial. And it was more, okay, this happened. This is funny. haha. And I'd say about six months into it was when it really started hitting and, really? and the, the severity of it and, and the, the, this is forever. You know, I'm going to deal with this forever. And, and definitely, I, I do, I still get bad days. It's not as common, but you have days where you just think, <laughs> you, you have a pity party, and I'm not against pity parties either. I think they're important for your recovery and for your mental health to sometimes just say, I feel sorry for myself, and I'm going to have a glass of wine, and tomorrow I'm going to, you know, feel better. <laughs> so yeah. so that, that, that's how I really dealt with it. It's just... Good days, mostly, and occasional realizing, you know, or missing things yeah. that you, you know, your old way of life. It seems that, it's, it seems like, because I, I meet many people have all sorts of different setbacks. I mean, some are, some seem trivial um, by comparison, but to that person, their setback is just as, you know, important. Absolutely. And um, I like the way you're talking about how you actually have to get real with yourself, because... It's okay to feel down, isn't it? It's okay, okay. to. Uh, I like the expression of pretty pity party. It's a pretty <laughs> American thing, isn't it? And, uh, it's, and it's great because because sometimes you have to you have to let yourself go in order to get a grip again. I suppose. Absolutely. You know, one thing I find, and you, and you find it, and all on the web, and, and just in people's thought processes, it's people don't like seeing weakness. They don't like right. seeing it in other people, and I think it's a really bad social problem, I think, and it's something we're, we're taught and, and learned to, you know, it's it's so, all the, you know, communication, everything out there is pick yourself up, be strong, push, 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 you know, and brush it off and try again, and, and I, I completely agree with that, but I think it's underestimated the power of sometimes feeling sorry for yourself, and, and, and I tell people, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be down sometimes because you have to. You have to grieve for that life that you've lost or in, in, in anything. If it's someone that you love that has died or you have an injury like this or even you lose your job. I mean, I think everyone should be empowered to have a pity party sometimes and feel feel bad. But you can't drag it out forever. But you have to, to grieve for the things you've lost and... And I, I really think there's power in that. And and I know a lot of times, you know, I would have a bad day and people would say, oh, come on, Tiffany, you know, pick your... And I would just think, let me, you know, let, let me deal with this and, yeah. and and feel bad about it. And you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to brush it off and I will work through it. But yeah. you, can't be str- you can't be strong all the time, can you? No, you can't. And people want that and they expect that. And I am strong 99% of the time. And I know, especially in the beginning, like I said, especially after that first six months, I went into a deep depression for a few months. And and I think I needed it. And I think I probably should have dealt with it more that way in the beginning. But I was really strong, and not just for myself, but for everyone around me. And I wasn't allowed that that 
sadness that I needed. And, and, and so I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. And that's interesting because a lot of times in resilience, we talk about this idea of need, about having the courage to reach out and actually, you know, use your support network to help you. But if your support network sort of saying stiff upper lip, you know, get over yourself, you know, start tap dancing again, that, that doesn't help. You know, you, have, you almost have to allocate tasks for different people to do. You know, you can come to my pity party. You need to do rah-rah. You need to do this. And yeah. you almost need to manage your support network in a way, I suppose. Yeah. Well, the best, you know, and, and to be supportive, I think, is to bring the bottle of wine to the pity party. You know, that could be a completely noticed, proverbial thing. I've, but I've noticed your bottle of wine is evident when you talk quite a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> it was proverbial, that one. But of yeah, course. yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think that's the great way to support people is to allow them yeah. times to deal with them the way they're dealing with them and show empathy as opposed to what we're kind of ingrained to do, which is to give people supportive words and tell them, you know, go, do it, go, go, go. Um, it, that may not be the best way to support people, yeah. I think, dealing yes. with problems. And did you work all the way through the time you uh, had the injury? Obviously, I, you still have the injury, but going through the, um, the therapy, or were you, you focused on that 100%? No, I, I, when it happened to me, it was really, okay, this is happening I've got three months of sick leave. I had a month in hospital, two months in therapy, and I was back to work in the office three months to the day after my injury. So I, I didn't take any time off. I was had a really stressful job at the time, and I. Sorry. I can I can hear you. You're popular. Yeah. Okay. I knew that was going That's awesome. Um. So I. I yeah. really jumped back into my job. Do you think uh, that helped? Sorry? Do you think that helped? I, you know, I, I kind of think about that sometimes and, and if that was the best thing to do. I think for me it was. Yeah. I think for me what, what my biggest uh, hurdle was in my recovery was learning to let go of the old Tiffany. I really was hanging on. I was really trying to prove that nothing had changed. I was still the same. I was just as strong as I was before, just in a different way. And that was my way of jumping. I had been walking on a walker for about two weeks before I went back to work. Right. And I refused to take a wheelchair to the office. So I was going in on a walker. Um, and just jumping back into it. And, and on the inside, I felt... I, w I wasn't ready, you know, and I, but I had, it was, it was something I was trying to prove to the world, to myself, that that, that was not going to hold me back. And it, it took me a long time to get to a point where I realized I'm not that person anymore. I'm, I don't have to prove anyone. And I, I had to learn to let go of who I was and, and, and that helped. I mean, once I got to that point, that's when I really felt that I was moving forward and, and my life and my recovery. That, you know, that's you said that twice now. That's a really interesting way of thinking at the world. So you're saying in order to make a change, you've got to let what happened, you have to let the past go. Absolutely. So, so how do you actually do that? I mean, do you, you know, get your pictures and burn them? Or, or what do you do? <laughs> Not at all. It's, it's easier said than, you know, in the beginning, I would look at pictures of me rock climbing and, yeah. and cry. I would cry, oh, wish I could do that. And now I look at them and, I, and I'm, you know, I, I get a little emotional sometimes, but it, it, it it's almost, I am very grateful for the life I lived. And I'm so grateful that I, I really lived a, a big life. And I did a lot of things before my injury. It wasn't like something like this happened. And then in retrospect, I wish I had done more. Yeah. So I, I, I'm very grateful for that. And, 
And I think, you know, like I said, for so long, I really was trying to to prove to myself that, you know, even on the inside and it's my personality, that everything changes when something like this happens. Everything. You become more intro introverted in some ways. Really? And you become less confident. And that was a big thing for me. I, I always, I never had problems with self-esteem or confidence, you know. And that it was for the first time I was dealing with these feelings of inadequacies and, and, and I'm not as good as everyone else and I'm, you know, I'm weak and I'm, you know, and it was, it was something I'd never dealt with. And I mean, it's, it's, it's not a surprise when you think about it, but it isn't something you do think about, is it? Because, because I suppose you're so focused on getting better and proving yourself to be able. There, yeah. there, there must be an element of show, so you must be feeling a bit worried about how you're being perceived, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. Trying to hide um, things, being embarrassed. You know, I'd, they'd, I'd be in a wheelchair and I'd go into a restaurant and I refused to sit in my wheelchair. You know, I said, I don't want to sit in a wheelchair, I want to sit in a chair, you know. It was, yeah. And, you know, I probably am still that way. You know, I mean, for me, I view a wheelchair as it's my transportation. I'm not using it as an extension of my legs. You know, I, I refuse to give the power to this injury. So I, I just have really... The ways of thinking, it was such a battle against myself, really, to to accept it. And and I really didn't want to accept it. And and I think that turnaround, what you're asking about how to let go, it, it was an, an, not an acceptance, not a defeat. I don't think I ever have accepted defeat. And I think that's the difference. I'm not accepting defeat. I'm not saying this is won, this has conquered me, I give up. It's okay. Things have changed now, and I can still do amazing things and live a full, incredible life, but I just have to do it differently. You yes. know, I, I can't do it the way I did it. And once I accepted that, and it took years, really, for me to truly get to that point to say, yeah. okay, I can't do things that way. You know, I can't go for a jog. I can't, you know, hike up a mountain, you know, and, and do these things, but... I can do other things, yeah. and I can ride a donkey to the top of the mountain, you know, and and, yeah. and that's what I, I really had to accept and learn. And it's interesting listening to you talk about before and after that moment, because before that moment, it's a fight, it's a battle, it's a victory, it's a defeat, and then afterwards, you don't use that language anymore. You talk about, well, what can I do? Mm. So it's almost like, I suppose, it's it's not about, like you say, it's not about being defeated, but it's realising that it's a different battle. Exactly. Exactly. It's a battle against yourself, you know, and, and, and it always has been for me. It's, it's been, and, and, you know, it's, and, and another thing, like, before I hit that aha moment, I was really apologetic about what had happened to me, you know, and, and always trying to, people who I had met since my injury, I always wanted them to know and find ways to slip in the conversation how amazing I was before my injury and, and how athletic I was and how I used to play football and I used to do this. And I really, it was so important to me for people to understand me and not just see me as a disabled person, but to see that I had all this. But then I had to realize that's who I was then. Show them, show them how what you can do now and not just tell them, you know, what you used to do. And, and I used to almost be like, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I used to be able to do this, you know, and it, it was, it was sad. It was really apologetic and, and insecure and, and trying so hard to hold on to, to the past. Do you think, do you think having um, done the yoga and have, having some of that mindset has helped with the physical recuperation, but also some of the mental training that, 
do you think that's helped at all? I think there's two things to me that I believe have truly helped me. And I'd say the first one and the biggest one was traveling again on my own. Really? Because that was when I, when I had my injury, of course I wanted to walk again. But I felt like that was kind of a, a not a very motivating goal to have, to walk again. That's something we all do, right? That's something you do as a, as a baby. And I, I felt, okay, I want to walk, but I want, I want to set a bigger goal. I want to be able to put a backpack on and go and travel by myself again. Yeah. And so it was, it was really what I was working towards and why I was trying to build up strength and get stronger was to do this. And so I, in 2013, in July, I set off and I did a year um, in Central and South America by myself with a 40-liter backpack you know, staying in hostels and dorm rooms, hopping on buses and and climbing up and down hills and mountains and 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 that was really that was the healing. It's uh, that year was really very healing for me in terms of seeing what my body was capable of, what it could do, how it, it was so strong and resilient and in and doing all these things that I if I was just sitting in an office job or, or at home or doing physical therapy once a week, I mean, I never would have done the things I was able to do right. through travel. So that, that was definitely the first thing. At the end of that year, um, 2014, so about two years ago this week, really, I finished that trip, and it, it changed completely. My whole mindset was different. I wasn't apologetic anymore. I wasn't hanging on. I really realized that I had done things that year that, a lot of people, able-bodied people, what have you, have done, don't do. And so after that, it was it took the thing about yoga and going into yoga now, before my injury, I had gotten certified. I was teaching full-time. And when I had my injury, I had this mental block against doing yoga and, and really against doing anything that I used to be what I considered decent at. So especially yoga, yoga is a very mental, um, kind of an emotional, spiritual practice. Right. Uh, it's not like going and, and playing basketball with your friends. You know, it, it's, it's something that, it's, it's, your, it's yourself and on your own, and, and it, it, it takes up a lot and uses a lot of, of mental and, and, and whatever. And so for me, it, I really struggled getting back into yoga. And I remember being in the hospital and thinking, man, I should be doing some yoga poses right now, just a few to keep my body, you know, yeah. uh, relaxed and, and, and help with my, you know, do some meditation. And, and I couldn't do it at all. I didn't want anything to do with it. I knew I should, but I just couldn't. And it took me several years, and I did a few classes here and there. But it was only after that trip did I finally say, I'm ready. I'm ready now, you know, and it was a few years after my injury that I finally said, okay, let's do this. So I, I got back into yoga. Um, I moved to Barcelona after my trip and found a yoga studio, started going, and very scary to walk into a yoga class for the first time, um, I think for anyone, but especially on crutches with my paralyzed feet flopping around and going, trying to hold your head high and yeah. go into a studio and roll your mat out and everyone's looking at you and... But once I got on the mat, and it's still that way, I just forget about everything else around me and, and could focus on my practice. And, and thank goodness for my experience as a teacher, I was able to figure out how to modify some poses and some things, standing poses that I can't do, ways to 
to do them or, or replicate them by being on the floor or using my crutches and standing up in the poses. Yeah. So I got back into that, started doing it more at home and building up my own, what we call personal practice and really seeing again how strong my body was and things I thought I would never be able to do again. You know, before my injury, I was when I was a kid, I was a gymnast and I loved doing handstands and, and before my injury, no problem. And I thought I'm never going to be able to do that again. And I just started practicing yoga and realizing, you know, all these things I could do. I can do handstands again, you know, my legs are so paralyzed, but it's, it's core muscles getting my legs up. And so, uh, you know, I never would have known that if I hadn't gotten and shaken off some fears and so getting back into yoga, it's, it's made me also um, appreciate my body and respect my body and be proud of my body for, you know, I always say, don't, don't hate your body for what it can't do, you know, be proud of your body for what it can do and love your body for that. And, and I've really learned that um, when I started practicing yoga and, and I started this Instagram account to kind of track my progress and... And I used to hide my feet, my, be embarrassed of my legs because they're skinny and there's not much muscle. And I just started just not caring and, and putting everything out there and putting it out on the, the internet where everyone can see. And, and I have, you know, it's given me all this self-confidence again and pride in my body. And, and, um, and then the aspect of, uh, I know I'm talking a lot about it, but, you know, the, for me, the most, the, the best thing about yoga is... And, and was before my injury was the body awareness that it gives you yes. in terms of recognizing what your muscles are doing in any, you know, in given space and time, you know, and, and it's something I, I loved recognizing when I started practicing yoga, you know, if I was driving my car down the highway and there was traffic and I, you know, after I started practicing yoga, I would recognize that my body was tense right. and my shoulders were tense and I would go, huh, ah, breathe and just relax everything. Yes. And it makes a difference. And so I think that that not only helped in my recovery, having that body awareness, but working on it again and knowing what my body's doing and, and what, what things feel out of place or are crooked or, or need more work or what's un unbalanced, you know, and, and that, that has been a great thing as well. Something that you can really only get, I think, from practicing yoga. And that's and it's interesting, isn't it? Because people often feel out of sorts, yes. psychologically wise, mm -hmm. and they don't realise that the body's in the way sometimes. Mm -hmm. and, and like you say, you know, if your body's out of alignment, I've got a friend of mine who's a Pilates specialist, and he says if, if your body goes out, I'm not, sorry, an osteopath, and if, it, and if your body goes out of alignment, the energy the energy gets it does, it doesn't translate itself properly. And you, so you, you can feel yourself, you can be feeling less confident that day because your body's working against you rather than for you. And I'm always taken with the yoga people, yogary people, that um, when you come to train people to, um, to talk about you know, good breathing methods, mm -hmm. nearly always people that have done yoga have got a much more aware sense of how to breathe properly. Absolutely. I, we, we definitely take breathing for granted, you know, you, yeah. something you do involuntarily. And sometimes I just think, when's the last time I took a deep breath, you know, and, and just to take one deep breath and fill your lungs and let all that, you can feel the stale air coming out of your body that's been probably sitting there for weeks, you know, yeah. that's at the depths of your lungs that you just don't clear out. And it's, it's amazing how much just one deep breath can can help you and make you feel more relaxed and just cleansed of it, I think. It is really interesting you say that because 
again, when we do deep breathing exercises. It is, people seem to have forgotten. I mean, A, they, they don't use some of the best diaphragmatic breathing exercises, but they don't fill their air, lungs properly. Mm -hmm. And I just think sometimes with a lot of people, they're, um, if you don't use those lungs, if you don't fill them up and down, you know, if you're not doing really, really vigorous exercise, you don't thoroughly fill your lungs up. It just, it just makes you wonder how much you lose that capacity. You know, it just, Absolutely. It, it just makes you, and then of course, then you start feeling panic stricken or nervous or something. And you don't have the physical resources to help you help you out if you haven't done that work really. Absolutely, it's interesting that with yoga, and there's there's quite a few poses and, and things you can do in yoga that it, it's interesting the connection with emotions and with with like you said with you know levels of energy and stuff and like there there's poses in yoga they say heart opening poses and a lot of poses where you're opening the front of your body and the front of your chest and how that can release emotions you know people people can start crying in a pose and not because they're you know a little loopy but because they some poses are, are releasing these tensions that also are holding in emotions it's really interesting You've, and I think that's very interesting, something we want to have a look at a bit more actually. And the other thing you've said, which is really interesting about the body and its way of dealing with stress and pressure and such like, is laughter. Mm -hmm. And I think the um, I think we undervalue laughter. Yes. You know, a good a, a good proper belly laugh, a real yes. sense of you know proper not laughing at someone, but just laughing mm -hmm. for the sake of it. Not I these not these terribly contrived things either, but. I was um, I was telling a couple of my colleagues recently that you know the video the laughing policeman from the sixties. If you ever see that, I mean I just I'm on the floor, and um, you know different things amuse different people. But uh, I mean sometimes I think you know people watching cats on the internet are pandas going down slides and things. Well, it's not actually. Well, why not if it makes you laugh? And it's a bit like using your body to help help your mind in a way. Yeah. It? No, it's so interesting you, you say that even you use the term belly laugh because I always say, you know, there's a few things I need in life. I need I need sunshine, I need good food and I need belly laughter. You know, that's yeah. very important for me. Not just <laughs> but yes. the really tears coming out of the corners of your eyes. That's right. Laughter. And 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 we can't take the only way you can do that is stop taking yourselves too seriously and just learn to laugh and roll with the punches, you know. Yeah. Yes, yes, you have to be in a place where you can laugh, first of all, haven't you, before you can actually laugh. Right. All right, that's brilliant. So the future, then, you've arrived in the, you've arrived in the UK in the most exciting time in, all, in the last 50 years. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, so what's the future for you, Tiffany? Well, 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 that's a good question. You know, I've never been one to be a long-term planner because when I try, everything always does a complete 180 from what I plan. But I'm here. I'm here with my husband. He's from Spain, so we are here thanks to the EU, so I'm not sure what will happen with that in the future. But, but um, we, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm really, you know, for me, I've actually not worked for the last three years after I took that year off to travel, and it's it's turned into this three-year career break sabbatical thing where I tried, you know, I helped work on a nonprofit um, organization in Costa Rica for a while that helps uh, people with spinal cord injuries and then life-changing disabilities to find adventure activities. So I, I've been working on a few different things, trying to find what I want to do. And, and so I'm at a place now, I've just gotten my visa uh, approved where I can, I can start legally working. And I'm, I'm just trying to decide what I want to do really, you know, and, and I feel a pull, like I was saying before, to go for 
the things I'm passionate about. I really want to help change lives and I want to bring awareness to spinal cord injuries in particular and help people who feel down and, and uh, you know, and there's a, I, I want to write and, you know, there's a lot of things I want to do with that. Um, and, and instead of working, you know, going back into an industry that I'm, I'm not happy in and then I don't feel like I'm helping people. And, and that's where I am now. I'm, I'm trying to figure out yeah. what I want to do. And, and, and yeah, I'd like to see my future really go along these lines of, of taking this experience and, and helping people really. Yeah. However, I figure that out and how I go about that. We'll see. Well, I, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed our short time together today. I mean, it's been, you're an inspirational woman, and it's a really fascinating story. And I think I can't even imagine what you've been through. And, um, and hopefully I will never have to do it for myself. I hope not, yes. Well, if people want to get hold of you or um, see what, what you're up to, you mentioned an Instagram account, mm -hmm. and I know you're on Twitter and all over the social media platforms. Is that is that the best place for people to uh, link into you or bump into you? Mm -hmm. I'm on Instagram. Uh, my my handle is yogaplegic, and Y-O-G-A-P-L-E-G-I-C. And uh, I also have a, a website with a blog, which I haven't been great about updating, but it has a lot about my travels, and I, I blogged off through my South America and Central America trip, and that website is um, T-A-L-E, of two legs, number two legs, tale of two legs, dot com. And um, also, I just, I'd like to add that I have something very exciting uh, in six weeks Six weeks from yesterday, actually, I'm going to be participating in Parallel London, and this is the world's first um, all abilities, all inclusive run, push, walk, what have you, for uh, people with disabilities, and it's taking place here in London on September 4th. Right. And um, they've got a 1K, a 5K, there's a, a sensory walk, a 100-meter race, and a 10K. And I'm going to be walking in a 10K, and, which is a bit terrifying for me because I have never walked that far since I've been on, on crutches. So I'm, I'm training for that now, and um, I'm raising money for an organization uh, called Spinal Research, which does research for spinal cord injuries. So I have a Just Giving page for that. So I welcome anyone who wants to sponsor me on my 10K endeavor coming up. Good. All right. Well, um, what's the page called? The Just Giving page called? Just Giving. Um, and it's Tiffany-Joiner. Okay. Good. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll link, we'll link to all those places from our website as well. Great. And uh, we better get your uh, podcast out earlier than September the 4th. Otherwise, yeah. you'll have done it by then. So we'll do this pretty quickly, actually. Thank you. Tiffany, you've been a joy to talk to. Thank you. Russell. Thank you so much. Great luck on September the 4th. Uh, actually, I don't need to say good luck to you. I'm scared. I need it. <laughs> yeah. No, all right. Well, good luck anyway. I was going to say, you know, a lot of people say the in the theatrical world, you say break a leg, but that just wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to break anything. They don't do any more of those. <laughs> Look, Evans, so thanks so much for talking to us, and um, I'm all the best in September the 4th, and I shall speak to you very soon. Take care. Thank you, Russell. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Resilience Unraveled helps you create performance on purpose. 
And you can find out more about us and resilience at qedod.com forward slash resilience. Or listen to more of our podcasts. You can also find out more about our courses, our webinars, and free resources like ebooks and paid for courses at qedod.com. Otherwise, we hope you can enjoy more of our podcasts in the future.